When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different trips you can take. Let's say you've got an appetite for whitewater kayaking. You can get your own. So this is why they call it Devil's River. Trip to Texas. Or maybe you have an actual appetite. I'll take a pound of brisket, six ribs, uh, three links of sausage, and a, a piece of pecan pie. Trip to Texas. Go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. What makes the Carnival Cruise fun? A picture-perfect beach day in Cozumel or a tropical adventure to Mayan ruins with snorkel excursion for good measure. A delectable surf and turf at sea topped off with craft cocktails at Alchemy Bar. Now, get some Z's. You never know what tomorrow will bring. Why? Because no one does fun like Carnival. Carnival. Choose fun. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde. And you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Jet Lag, we explore the intersection between real estate and the air travel experience. Alex and I will discuss the current state of air travel, its effect on industries, and contemplate on what the future may bring. And with that, Alex, please take us out. You know, when most people think about the dawn of commercial aviation, they think of the late 1920s and Howard Hughes and the creation of Transworld Airlines. But what most people forget is that it wasn't until after World War II that commercial air aviation industry actually skyrocketed, using ex-military aircraft to transport people and cargo. Basically, the experience used in designing heavy bombers, such as the B-29, could be used for designing heavy, heavy commercial aircraft. This, of course, is important to real estate because air travel takes us places. It allows us to easily relocate, visit family, get to our vacation homes and holiday destinations. When it works, it's a beautiful thing. But when it doesn't, well, you know, that's another story entirely. Then it's a nightmare, the nightmare of travel which uh, we've all been through good times and bad. I, I still remember the first time I saw a 707 aircraft at JFK on the way to Brazil from Montreal. And it was the biggest, most beautiful, shiniest toy a 12 year old had ever seen. And on that flight, a long flight from New York to Rio de Janeiro, my seat wouldn't go back. And a gentleman who had been friendly with us in the lounge, who my mother had known, my mother knew, he was in first and he mentioned to the flight attendants and they brought me up, this 12-year-old kid, to sit next to him in first class. And of course, yeah, it's an overnight flight and I'm exhausted and I'm, I'm trying to sleep and I'm, as I'm sleeping, I'm opening my eyes occasionally and I would see this guy and he was chatting with the flight attendants. And I'll tell you, I might have been 12, but I can recognize a player when I saw it. And that <laughs> just seems so glamorous to me. That's when travel became glamorous at an early age. And it's kind of stuck. Wait, wait, so you were traveling by yourself or with family? No, I was with family, but we were three in the row and my seat wouldn't go back. And my mother said, sure, sure, take him up there. She was, she was great. <laughs> she, was, she was happy to get rid of you for that flight. Most likely. <laughs> you can have him for a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I recall my first experience was traveling um, from New York down to Orlando to Disney World. And I remember, I think it was Pan Am, actually. And I remember the breakfast that I had. It was like, um, it was like scrambled eggs and sausage. And I think, you know, it was, it was amazing how they were able to serve food on a plane. 
was like, well, where, you know, where's the kitchen? Like, where, who's making this stuff? And it, it, that was, to me, the most memorable. I mean, Disney was great, but the experience to and from Disney was the most impactful, as was my first. And I think that's important because I think, like anything in life, what you experience the first time you do something carries on the rest of your life. If it's a good experience, you look favorably towards that endeavor or that activity. And if it's a bad experience, you may never do it again, or you'll cringe every time you have to. And for me, air travel was always tremendous. I mean, is there any kid that doesn't want to sit at the window? You ever meet a kid goes, no, 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 I need the aisle. I want the aisle. Everybody wants to sit at the window. It's just, it's thrilling. It really is. And it, and it, it's a, a, not to mention a modern marvel, right? That we can take this thing that weighs so much, fill it with people and luggage, sometimes too much luggage, and, and it flies in the air. It's, that, it's incredible, an incredible achievement. And it's brought so much great things to all our lives. Well, you know, that, that just brings up a, the, the classic joke of, of the, of the, of the luggage, right? I've always been wondering why there are uh, luggage weight restrictions for for passengers. I mean, I'm a, I'm allowed. I probably weigh you know a buck sixty, buck seventy, um, but yet I'm only allowed fifty pounds of luggage before I have to pay a hundred bucks for an overweight bag. So that's what you know, probably what uh, two hundred and twenty pounds. There are people that weigh in at 220, 230, that they don't have to pay any more money. And I don't quite, I don't quite, I don't quite, I think that if you pay, if you weigh over 200 pounds and have a carry on, you should be paying a lot more than someone who's a buck 25 at the very least. But I think, I think to a certain extent, those people that are in the airline industry that are listening to this podcast, I have to say, I agree. Look, there's a, there's a restriction, there's safety. And in order to be democratic about it, you have to restrict everyone and all that stuff. So I get it. But your, to your point, the science and so the physics of getting this big thing with a bunch of people and a bunch of luggage in the air over the ocean is quite a marvel. Well, Sebastian Maniscalco, one of my favorite com stand-up comedians, has a great bit on one of his Netflix specials where he talks about how you get to the airport and the bag is too heavy, so you, you got you, you to gotta take some of, of your carry-on luggage and put it into, your, into the bag. It's going to go underneath the plane. He's like, it's the same plane. What's the difference where we put the weight? What's the difference where we put the luggage? Uh, you're, so, you're so right about that. Which brings us to where we are today. Have you taken a plane recently? Uh, well, yeah. I, I, well, recently, yes. Um, of course, most people in the world weren't taking flights uh, in 2020. Um, but you know, I, you know, I, I, before we jump onto this, I know where you're going with this. I have to say, whenever I look at films um, of like the the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, I, I see people behave a lot differently in aircraft than than today people wear you know their three-piece suits you know people people dress up to get on a plane and it, it be it became this exclusivity because you know of course it probably was more expensive than driving than than traveling by train so there's a certain class difference so you're probably upper class and you know they're you dress accordingly <laughs> and so i think today versus um you know you look you look at the average uh traveler they're wearing the you know their spandex and lululemons and sweatpants and t-shirts and you're like wow we've come a long way 
I think that's very, very uh, observant. I, I can even remember even looking back in the 90s and the 80s when it was when business travel was mostly business people before everybody started accumulating miles and going business and then dressing whichever way you wanted comfortably. But in those days when it was business travel, the business people traveled in suits. You know, they were well dressed. So business class was a little maybe a little better looking in terms of dress code than coach. I can even remember once making a joke to a flight attendant. I pulled back, you know, they put that curtain, that little band that's supposed to separate the halves from the halves knots. <laughs> like, really? you're, really? you're in the back and they show you, and they slowly pulls the curtain and you lose sight. Well, you can see them serving drinks up there, you know? <laughs> But I can remember once pulling back the curtain, seeing the people in coach and going, hey, what are all those people doing back there? Does anybody know these people are back there? I think the plane behind us just rammed us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that was back in the day. That was that was actually called business class, right? That's actually not even called business class anymore because it's just really, it's not preferred. It's like, it's like the special class. And, you know, it's ironic because, you know, I don't know whether or not it's more, more or less people are traveling business and, or more or less people who are traveling leisure or upgrading, but they've actually changed the name because it's become such um, a commonplace for people to want to be separated from other people, not just because they're traveling for business, quote unquote, but they're just traveling and just they just they just want to pay extra for the convenience. And and the comfort. And the comfort, correct. So here we are, 4th of July, 2022. I think I can safely say, and I hope you'll agree, that this is the first real year that the world is back in terms of travel. And I, I was talking to friends who are in, in Europe and uh, the expectations and what's going on there right now. Every place is jammed. Any place you'd want to go is jammed. Flights are jammed. And unfortunately, this is hitting while we still have issues like supply chain, like price of fuel, et cetera, et cetera. So I think right now is a pretty difficult time to fly. Well, I think it's, it's difficult for people uh, and how they think and how they perceive travel in one end. And obviously it's also different, difficult from the, from the ops and operations around travel. I think people um, who have, uh, you know, we're planning on traveling in 2020, perhaps even 2021 have delayed their, their big trips till, till now. And so you're kind of dealing with this glut uh, and this sort of sense of urgency around travel that you may not have seen before, but I think overall, the ops around travel haven't changed much. I think you know, a lot of the companies have either staffed up or not. But you know, when you, you start looking at the differences between the problems with travel today and the problems with travel pre-pandemic, they're actually not that they're not that different. Um, things have, were, were, were always bad. Uh, with the airlines and, and with logistics and traveling, mean, according to the New York Times recent article, is that U.S. airlines have been operating somewhere between twenty one thousand and twenty five thousand flights a day in recent months. You know, so far you know, in twenty twenty two, they say an average of one out of five flights a day arrived behind schedule. That's a total of more than eight hundred twenty thousand delayed flights, according to this um, company called FlightAware, which is a, a flight tracking company. But that's more than. 16, 116,000 flights have been canceled. Well, you know, all of this adds up to the people uh, missing weddings, yeah, missing funerals, uh, missing work events, you know, trying to figure out how to salvage the vacations that they delayed and, 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 and deferred. You know, but in, in 2019, 
during a comparable period, it was not much better. You know, it, back then, 17% out of 20% today um, of flights arrive late. Um, and the average delay time in 2019 was 48 minutes instead of 49 today. So I think comparatively speaking, we, we, we kind of think that things are bad just because it looks bad and feels bad because it's now, but it actually wasn't that, it wasn't that different to what it was like uh, before the pandemic. I, 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 I get all that and all that data is very valuable. I, I do think it, it certainly seems like it's a little worse right now. You look at prices, prices are up 40, 50% year to date. International prices are up 25%. On Thursday, we had 3,165 flights delayed and almost 450 canceled. And as you say, that the problem is it's not just you're canceling to go pick up a package. You're canceling the family of five on the vacation they've been waiting for three years to finally go to Disney or to go to Paris or to go to London. So I think the bottom line is there's a lot of frustration out there. As a matter of fact, right now, Delta Airlines pilots are on strike in certain airports. Well, I mean, wanting if, to get more pay. If, 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 they, if Delta has pilots, they're on strike. I mean, they're, they're, there's issues finding pilots to work. I mean, you've got pilots that um, are either are either aging out. Um, you have pilots that uh, are haven't upstilled uh, into more advanced aircraft. I mean, you have all these issues that are causing pressure on the on the staffing and employment side of the business. And then not to mention the fact that there's this there's this legacy issue with air traffic control, and then not having you know enough staff to figure out you know how planes land and take off. I mean, it's really an issue across the board. I think, I think when you look at, you know, what are the hotspots, if you will, in America? And um, ironically enough, New York and Florida are the worst places in America um, for air traffic or air, or, or air travel. As a matter of fact, specifically speaking, you know, LaGuardia and Newark uh, are the worst. LaGuardia, apparently 6% of all flights were canceled. Uh, this year alone in Newark. Anyone who's been to LaGuardia doesn't need to even see the statistics. We don't even need to see any numbers. We know. <laughs> they, they just they just finished this billion dollar six year. And it's gorgeous. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, they, they built it because you have to wait for your flight. So they got the restaurants, they got bathrooms everywhere because they know that you're going to be, your flight's going to be canceled. <laughs> Yeah, and one one thing you didn't mention, which is a huge one, which is during COVID and the aftermath of COVID, vaccination, not vaccinations, a lot of people were laid off or were forced to resign. And it's not just pilots. It's all, as you mentioned, it's not just pilots, but also the staff at the airports, security, the TSA needs people. So everything is kind of backed up at the same time as you have this rush of everybody wanting to travel at the same time. But the government is trying to do some things that are making it easier, at least at least more comfortable. Like they, we just got rid of masks, right, on planes anymore. So the question is, they got rid of masks. Would you still wear a mask on a plane? Yes. Yeah, me too. I just went to Canada and I still wore a mask, even though you don't have to anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so here's the thing. I mean, look, I mean, I think, bef I think if I knew that masks even existed before COVID, right? I didn't even, I would always see people in, in People's Republic of China wearing masks. And I'm like, what the hell are they doing? But, you know, yet we sit, I'm not sure if you've had the luxury of sitting next to an infant that's sneezing on you the entire flight. Of course, you're in first class. I'm, I'm in coach uh, dealing with the, dealing with uh, humanity 
<laughs> uh, and sometimes you want a little separation um, other than the screen. You want you want something that that may at least keeps you safe. Because let me tell you, I mean, I, I know that. Look, if you're an airline representative, you're going to say that the air quality on a plane is much better than you know everywhere else. Yeah, that that filtration actually changes the air better than most offices where you go to work and you're not wearing a mask. Yeah. So the, the, the science behind it, I get, but I just you know just just witnessing and seeing people eating right next to you uh sneezing and all that stuff that they do right next to you just makes me want to throw up actually and so I, I, a mask for me is is a good is just is just good business but you know to your point like i think people um, you know, people travel out for different reasons. Um, the delays are caused, as you pointed out, you know, for different reasons. You know, but I, I, I recently read that um, you're more likely to get a canceled flight in New York, primarily because the airline businesses believe that it's better to cancel in New York because you're more likely to pick up another flight. That's the volume. Uh, is there so if you if one flight is canceled you're probably waiting less than an hour <laughs> i'm so happy that the airlines are taking my my I feelings mean, into consideration when they're I deciding mean, where to cancel <laughs> they mean, are just the best I mean, just, I mean, but you know i mean obviously keep taking the the emotion uh of the passenger out of it i mean it kind of makes makes logistics perfect sense i mean but the flip side is in in florida a lot of it has to do with just the um uh, the 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 recent surge of people moving down and relocating down to Florida, as well as vacations down to Florida. So a lot of airline airlines have added flights and didn't yet add the staff and capacity to deal with it. So it's a lot of backlogs, a lot of people that are sort of running around scrambling, uh, particularly in areas like um, Fort Myers, Fort Lauderdale, and Tampa. Those are the worst. It's funny you say that because Tampa's a beautiful airport. I don't know if you've ever been in and out of Tampa, but it's a beautiful airport. It's beautifully set up. It's color coordinated. They have these these wings that shoot out. They have these uh, trams that shoot you out to the I've I've never had a delay or anything in Tampa, so I guess I just got lucky. Wow. Well, <clears throat> what about luggage? Let's talk luggage. <laughs> what about luggage? I mean, what you know when I when I actually look at the luggage numbers, if you ever see pictures of the luggages being moved through the back, the inside of an airport, it's actually astounding that all the most that that much of the luggage gets there. Not that it doesn't get there. I'm astounded it gets there. Yeah, that's pretty much. It's for me. It's magic. I just can't understand how that even happens. Like I, you know, a friend of mine once said. He said, "Look, you know." I was in an airline, uh, an airport, and they stole my sunglasses from my bag. I'm like, I'm like, bro, like, do you think that who they had it? They had the time to go through your bag out of the thousands of bags they see in a minute to find you to search in your bag to find your glasses and pull that out. I was like, you you left that in the in the bathroom. <laughs> so don't don't blame. Don't blame the baggage control folks for your uh, negligence. I mean, but but to be fair, there are, from what I understand, I mean, I don't think this is a case in the U.S., but I think a lot of there are some instances where there are rackets of like organized crime that work and 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 sit back behind whatever the, the walls of of the of the airport and and go through stuff and and steal so there, there is there are those circumstances but for the most part no one has the time to go through your luggage and steal stuff so i wouldn't worry too much about it however i i, I have had my bag go somewhere else <laughs> where, me too where matter of fact 
Matter of fact, I was on my way from uh, New York to Sao Paulo uh, and uh, <clears throat> checking in in business class. And uh, right next to me was a guy going from New York to London checking in. And the two attendants uh, that were that were processing us through, taking our passports and giving us our uh, luggage, and I was checking luggage and so was he. They were laughing and joking amongst each other. And you know how there's that machine in between the two of them that spits out the luggage tag that they attach to your to your bag. Well, as this as they were spitting it out, my per, the person that was serving me took the London tag, and the other person took the Sao Paulo tag. So my bag went to visit the Queen of England when I went to Sao Paulo. And then it took only five days for American Airlines, who had my bag in London, knew they had my bag in London, get my bag to Sao Paulo. But you actually That's got the, the last bag. time I checked the bag. <laughs> you, actually, you actually got the bag. That, I that's got a, the bag back and cool. the sunglasses were there. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that right there is actually impressive. I mean, I, you know, I go, you know, I go to the customer service and I complain, you know, when those things happen and I, you know, and I, I, I get into it and I lean in and how could you do this? And they pay good money and I'm a preferred flyer, yada, yada, yada. But you know, the, rea <laughs> the reality I'm thinking to myself, this is I'm not going to find my bag. There's no way. There's no way I'm getting my bag. I mean, I, mean, I might as well just write this off completely. And I have no confidence that anything will get done regardless of how um, much I pay for the ticket uh, or how much brand loyalty I have for the company. I mean, I think, I think for the most part, most people expect, I mean, you can't, you, there's no way that you can expect a perfect experience uh, in air travel. I mean, there's sort of like 80% like expectation of, of a good experience, 20%. It's like, you know what? I'm not getting, I'm not, I'm not yeah, getting Well, the good problem. news is, you know, it's, it, we're in a capitalist society. So there are always solutions that pop up for problems. So when I was younger and I used to golf, uh, the pain in the ass was taking your golf clubs everywhere, right? Then they popped up all these services, um, which people now use that come to your house, pick up your bag and drop your bag off at your destination's hotel three days later. So you haven't picked up in advance and your bat and your clubs are ready and you don't even have to deal with that. You don't have to check anything. And I'm sure there's all kinds of other services for people who don't want to check bags through the airlines. The problem is it's so convenient and it's free for the most part to check your bag through the airline. That's why most people do it. Right. I guess you're paying for the, for the guarantee that you can get your bag. And then if you're, if you're a traveler that has had that instance happen more than once, you probably would be more likely to, to pay for it. But then again, you know, for me, that, that requires you to plan ahead, right? It requires you to have, to have thought about what you're bringing um, well in advance of, of the Uber um, picking you up from your place. I mean, for me, I, I'm like, I, I would average maybe 45 minutes before the car picks me up, I'm packing. Right? So I have no, I don't think about my trip until the day of. So I, that would be the worst service for me for sure. Yeah, I'm the opposite. Two days before I'm laying out my clothes on the bed and fix, peeling out my outfits and because, it, and then I take whatever's on that bed and I take half the clothes off. So oh, I never good. have too many clothes. Yeah, I, I figure you're what I need and then I take like a third out. So I forced myself to have less because what always used to happen is you always figure, look, yeah, you, I'm in Europe for eight, for six nights. Well, I'm going to need six dress shirts. Let's yeah, for one jersey. That's ridiculous. That's how I used to pack, but you don't really need all that anymore. I mean, look, I mean, you, you're, then you're, you're the, you're the guy that everyone needs to take to the, uh, the casino. You, you count cards, right? And with the judge, judge Wapner. <laughs> what? 
you're, you're, you're that you're that scary genius that uh, uh, that uh, that knows that knows everything. Twenty. Twenty. It's exactly. twenty. Wap, Wapner's at six. Um, so so I, I think look, you're you're perfectly right. The question is now, you know, what's the solution? Um, you know, obviously, in one case, I would say if you have the money, uh, probably um, you know, private jet travel would be the way to go. You know, G five is not a bad way to fly. Um, or drive, right? I think you know what we're starting to see is that people just are just driving more often. Um, I think partly because people have invested in 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 cars in recent in recent year, actually over the course of the pandemic, people purchase vehicles, personal vehicles, and they're using that more often. Uh, and and maybe that's a solution. But I think there's a lot probably to unpack with regards to where we're going with the future of air travel. Right? Agreed. I think. Technologically, we're advancing in terms of larger aircraft uh, or longer flights without having to make a stop. That's so that's an advantage. But on the other hand, it comes with all the problems, bigger planes, more luggage, more issues. Longer flights becomes a question of comfort, becomes a question of the air in the air, the airplane, being able to sleep on the plane, et cetera, et cetera. And so so I think in terms in terms of quality of air travel, I think the next big thing is somehow to find ways to improve the customer experience. Yeah, so I, I see five factors uh, in, the, in, in that are gonna impact the future of air travel. The first uh, is the cost to travel. Uh, and that's really lies in the, in the cost for, 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 for the airlines. So the energy is the rising fuel costs, um, the staffing costs, the pilots, the, the dealing with the strikes, and that's going to influence um, the, the future. Uh, the second is the reasons for travel. Uh, as we talked, you know, the biggest uh, revenue driver for, for airlines is business travel, but then leisure travel is also changing. Uh, and of course, business travel is changing because people are traveling less because of Zoom and all that stuff than, than before. So where is that going? Uh, I think the benefits of travel as a, as a third factor, which is, you know, obviously speed has been always the thing, get to your destination faster. Um, you know, the flights, the transatlantic flights have actually de decreased. Um, but what that means is less amenities. So if you're if your travel went from nine hours to five hours, you may not need a lie flat bed. Um, you may not even need food. I mean, food has now been eliminated from a lot of flights because they're so short. You don't even need to eat breakfast and dinner. You maybe just just or breakfast and lunch. You're just eating lunch or or a snack. Um, there's no traffic. I mean, so getting to and from the airport in terms of the the speed is also impacted. I mean, you know, in some cases, people who've left the cities and moved into the suburbs are now doubling their trans their transportation times to the airport. So that it's it's lo takes longer to get to the airport than the flight itself. So all these things, that's really a big factor. I think I think fourth, it's your point is distance, right? So short travel versus long travel. I mean, am I traveling from New York to Paris? Um, versus New York to Miami or New York to Chicago. And I think that the New York to Chicago trips might actually um, be the biggest struggle because people might opt to just drive or take a train instead. And then lastly, which I think is the really the big, the big issue is technology, right? I mean, you know, there's, there's the rise of automation. Uh, would you want to fly on an, autom an autonomous airline? <laughs> I'm not quite sure if we'd want to do that, but then again, it might actually be safer, possibly. You know, we hear all this stuff about flying cars, which are basically like personal helicopters, 
and the safety issues around that. So there's a lot of things, I think, in technology that are really interesting that's going to transform travel for the better. But I think, to your point, there's a lot of things that are happening outside of the airline industry's control that are also um, driving. So obviously, the way the future of work, um, the future of energy, uh, and all of that. So, you know, look, I think we'll see. I think there aren't really answers that we have, but it's um, these are questions that I think that should be should be thought really hard about over the next um, several years. Yeah, and I'll, I'll take a stab at some of those things that you brought up um, in terms of the cost of travel, inflation, which is clearly an issue. And I think every few years you have to reset the bar, whether it's uh, higher or lower, depending on the economic conditions. In this case, like we're seeing in, indus- in different industries where different industries are getting raises, like we're seeing in minimum wage, where minimum wage is slowly climbing, we'll have to reset the bar so that the people who are operating in that industry can operate effectively and profitably. Uh, in terms of your comment on business and leisure, all the profit comes from business and to exactly to your point the way things are working the way work is changing in terms of business travel is going to be a real issue and you're seeing the result of that in the fight between JetBlue and frontier over spirit airlines spirit airlines is probably considered i think quality wise one of the worst experiences if you read the reviews right. and two major airlines are fighting to take over that brand it's because it's a low price brand and if you're going to have all these issues of profitability you're going to have to reduce your costs and these low cost airlines they live on reducing costs so i think you're going to continue to see consolidation in the sector in terms of distance like i said earlier i think it's great that we're traveling farther i mean i don't know about you but jet lag makes a bigger difference to my body now than it used to when i was younger laugh off jet lag go to europe stay out all day when you land in the morning quick 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 nap in the afternoon and you were good to go now it 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 affects me and i think as people are getting older will be interesting to see how those how people are able to to handle those longer and longer flights uh and finally to technology i think to your point exactly, the technology, we don't know what the technology, the future of technology holds, but there will be solutions that'll make it safer, that'll make it easier and hopefully automate things a little more, maybe automate the security aspect of the airport more. One of the biggest negatives of the of, of flying is you, you don't know what time to get to the airport because you don't know how long the security line is. And now I just saw that in certain airports for free, you can book a spot in the security line ahead of time and you get there and you show your code and you get your spot and the people are saying it's cutting 20 to 25 minutes on average of wait time. So I think, I think, I think like everything that in our lives, slowly but surely things get easier, more enjoyable uh, for the consumer. And hopefully that this, this sector will, will benefit as well. Well, I mean, when you, when you bring about, when you, we talk about the whole innovation piece, you know, I know that in the space industry, one of the the business models for innovation is a commercial travel application. So Virgin Galactic was saying that, okay, we're building these engines to go out of space, but you know, these engines can actually help uh, um, supersonic commercial air travel. So you can go from New York to, to, to Tokyo in, you know, a few hours using our engines and that's how we're going to make money in five, 10 years. Right. So I think there's a lot of, crossover and innovation happening in different industries that impact air travel. Of course, you know, is air, you know, this, maybe the next podcast will be space travel um, and, and, what, and what that will do for real estate on the moon. On the moon. But, but, but until then, I think th- there are ways in which 
uh, companies are innovating to solve these problems. Uh, and, and, and perhaps, you know, people like you and me will, will see that as we as we go on a plane to go to to go to, to and from um, Miami and New York. But I think, you know, when you, what I find to be very interesting and, and quite unique is this sort of low cost bit. Because I, I think, yeah, you're fighting for the low cost airline, but there's everything that we see is going against low cost airline. Like, you know, in terms of making, yeah energy prices, reasons for travel. When you're an air, when you're, when you're a, a traveler, Spirit Airline is actually not the low, I mean, it's, it's low cost, the ticket, but they're charging you for everything else. <laughs> they're charging you for your space. They're charging you for your luggage. They're charging you for your breakfast. They're charging you for your water. And it becomes this a la carte add up that makes what you would perceive as low cost, actually the same as Delta and America. So I, I think this this low cost airline the misnomer is is a is, a, is I think a little 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 ridiculous. Well, you make an interesting point. Remains to be seen. We'll see what happens with this merger and what happens going on. And your point about uh, supersonic travel is a great one because I always lament the fact that they canceled the Concorde. I understand that it there was an accident and people died, but I think the technology was terrific. And if you just think of how much time has gone since the Concorde was was canceled, how much technology could have improved that flight, that 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 aircraft itself for safety and other reasons. Anyway, the bottom line is I still love to travel. I still love to get on a plane. I am more of an aisle guy than a window guy now because I like the extra room and not feel so constricted. But I look forward to flights. I, I suffer the, the hell when things don't go well as everybody else does. But I try to stay calm and focus on where I'm going because the destination is the goal. And, uh, and hopefully I'll get there safely. Yeah, I, I, I echo that. I, I'm also an aisle guy, but for a different reason. For me, uh, I hate sitting next to the window because when in the window seat, I can see how far I have to fall. <laughs> so for me, I just like this. Is, it's safer for me to sit away from the window, uh, to be fair, and I enjoy my flight that much more. But to that point, I think air travel is is here to stay. It's It's been with us for a while. It will continue to be with us, and it gets us places. Let's put it right where it needs to be put. It is an important part of the movement of America and the world and the important part of allowing us to be at home and wherever we want to be around the world. Okay, now let's talk about cargo. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a wrap, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Tune in to the next show. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different trips you can take. Let's say you've got an appetite for whitewater kayaking. You can get your own. So this is why they call it Devil's River. Trip to Texas. Or maybe you have an actual appetite. I'll take a pound of brisket, six ribs, uh, three links of sausage, and a, a piece of pecan pie. Trip to Texas. Go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. What makes the Carnival Cruise fun? That's up to you. Maybe it's a ride on boat, a roller coaster at sea, or a deep tissue massage at the spa. Creole-inspired cuisine at Emerald's Bistro to laid-back bites at Guy's Burger Joint. 
excursions that take you from jungle adventures to beach days at Mahogany Bay, and sunsets from the top deck. Long story short, no one does fun like Carnival. Carnival. Choose fun. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama.